0: Well, again, good morning and welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here, and it is delightful to see you all here. And uh, I have to say, just sitting here, it's just really good to hear people talking and voices just all around. It was wonderful. So it is very good to be in each other's presence again. We're also thankful for those of you who are able to join us online. Really, we're happy with whatever way you can... Uh, connect with us and engage with us uh, we're super excited about that um, do want to let you know if you are joining us online that a really great space to do that is on our online platform you can find that at www.onelifeseattle.org live and there's some really cool things there to just really facilitate a great online experience so check that out uh, you're welcome to do it here in the room if you want to uh, also uh, that's up to you um, yeah with that let's pray and then and then we'll get moving in some stuff Jesus, I give you great thanks for this day and for your presence with us. Um, Help us to listen. Help us to hear you uh, in in all the things we're doing. Help us to find your presence in every single moment of of our days. Yeah, we ask that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, we're deep into this uh, sermon series entitled A Discipleship, Finding Our way in Jesus, Um, and today we're going to be exploring the way of the Spirit. Uh, Before we do that, though, kind of one of the main things we've been talking about is how this is, uh, it's not so much um, like following the rules or the doctrines, but it's more of a a following with our whole life. It's learning to embody uh, who Jesus was and and live that out, and so we've had a couple of uh, quotes and things we've used, and I'm actually, not today, but I'm feeling like in the next couple weeks, I'm going to... I'm going to quiz you all because I feel like you've heard these a lot. And so I'm just, so, so start thinking about that because maybe I'll leave some blank spaces in these and see if you all can fill these in. Uh, the first one, though, uh, is, is by uh, Professor uh, Esau McCauley. Um, and he's talking about, it says, as all of Paul's letters make clear, Christian discipleship is about showing how the implications of the gospel spread out in a thousand directions and again this is just sort of exploring the 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 breadth and the width of discipleship that it's it's not just one certain like way to live it out but it really has a bunch of ways uh, and, and through different people that it gets expressed um, and then also Professor Grace G. soon Kim and Graham Hill uh, have, we must not root Christian identity in nationalism, ethnicity, partisan politics, socio-political economic status, gender, and other such things. Instead, we must root Christian identity in discipleship to Jesus Christ. This identity is formed through a vision of what it means to be a distinct people with an alternative ethic, politic, and life together. And really just getting at that, the, the, the core of what it means to be a Christian, the very first thing has to be this idea of following Jesus and, and living that out, this, this thing of discipleship. And then lastly, we have uh, Caesar Kalinowski, uh, and he says, discipleship is the process of moving from unbelief to belief in the gospel of Jesus in absolutely every area of life. And so again, just, just trying to really get it into our systems that this is everything we do. Um, and then we explored the scripture verse uh, Acts seventeen twenty in Him meaning God Jesus the Holy Spirit we live move and have our being so it's there's really it's it's just a whole person holistic kind of thing um, that we're talking about here and through this we've covered a lot of different things and I'm not going to go through all of those today I just want to get right into this I, this uh, topic for today the way of the Spirit. Um, Because following Jesus has everything to do with following the Holy Spirit. Jesus did it, and we should do it also. Um, If we look at Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, it says, "...in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe." Now if we're talking about following Jesus, then we really need to know the voice of Jesus, where that comes from, and Jesus is the voice of God, and so we're starting to build all this together. Knowing the voice of God, following Jesus, it's all tied in together. We read in other places in Scripture that Jesus is things like the sustaining water. He's the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the good shepherd whose sheep know his voice. And many of us, I believe, are deeply longing to hear the voice of Jesus. Sometimes in moments of need, sometimes we have a decision to make, sometimes we just want to sit and hear Jesus' voice. We also live in this reality where Jesus is not physically present with us the way Jesus was present with the disciples some 2,000 years ago. And so talking to or walking with or listening to Jesus doesn't feel the same for us as it did for the disciples. And I have a poem that a friend of mine wrote called Vanish. Um, I don't have a slide for it. I just, I want you to listen to it. It's short, um, but I think it kind of gets at some of this tension. Does vanish, whispers its swish of sound as a trail of breath follows an image you hold like the title of the film you saw two nights ago. No longer on the tip of anything, no aftertaste, no crumbs to help find your way back to a place you forgot being. This little tremor of fear when the ripples left by the stone fail to reach the edge. And the pond is a space as dark as swallows. Swallows, you remember, returning to the nook above the door in the garage behind the house you find only in your sleep. There's a sense in that poem like there's something that's being, it's just elusive, right? It's the name of a movie we can't quite remember. It's a house we only encounter in our dreams. Uh, GK Chesterton in his book The Man Who Was Thursday talks about peace as this thing that he's chasing and right when he's about to catch it it turns around and laughs at him while running backwards saying you weren't even close and then it just zooms off like feels like the roadrunner and the coyote like just this uh oh, but it's this elusiveness I think sometimes we feel like we're trying to listen to Jesus, we're trying to find Jesus, listen to the Spirit, but it always feels like the whole situation is elusive. I'm hoping today that we find something different. Because we find the voice of Jesus in Scripture, we find the voice of Jesus in the traditions of the church, in the community of the saints, but also in the witness of the Holy Spirit as we learn to attend and listen to the Holy Spirit, we find the voice of Jesus. And Jesus even talks about this. Um, In uh, John 14, he's getting ready. He knows he's gonna die, and so he's preparing for that. And he's telling his disciples that he's gonna return to the Father. And what that means is he's not gonna physically be with them in the same way. They would no longer be able to see him touch him, hear his voice, a voice that had probably come to mean quite a lot to them. But Jesus affirms them and assures them that it's gonna be all right. He says, I'm gonna, as in John 14, 16 and 17, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, the spirit of truth. I know I'm leaving, but I'm gonna send you someone else. I'm gonna ask the Father and he's gonna give you another advocate. Just a few verses down in 1426 says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. There's this connection to Jesus in the Spirit. The Spirit The advocate will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. And then in the next chapter, fifteen twenty-six, again, the advocate shows up. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So Jesus is saying, even though I'm going, I'm gonna send, there's gonna be another one, another one like me, an advocate, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, And you're going to know me through this spirit. In his book, uh, The Voice of Jesus, Gordon Smith says it this way, The spirit has come in place of the bodily presence of Jesus, and so the church follows Christ only insofar as it intentionally responds to the spirit. It's that significant, the connection, the voice of Jesus present in the spirit is so critical. And I think Gordon Smith says it well intentionally responding to the spirit well so that's great but if we're gonna follow Jesus I think we should look at how Jesus himself interacted with the spirit and what does that show us how does that inform how we should engage with the spirit and there are three places in scripture that I want to look uh, and see how Jesus engaged with the spirit and and can that inform how we engage with the spirit now the first one is, uh, is going to be in what I'm going to call the, the Holy Spirit in new birth. That somehow the Holy Spirit is involved in that. Um, and uh, you can turn to Luke 1.35 if you have your Bible, but it, it's this interesting spot where Jesus' engagement with the Spirit actually begins with his mother Mary's engagement with the Spirit. Right? Mary is visited by an angel and told that she's going to become pregnant with a son whom her and her fiance, Joseph, are going to name Jesus. This son, is going to, you're going to name him the, the, he, Jesus. He's going to be the most high, the son of the most high. And so uh, in the midst of that, she responds by asking, well, how can this be? Because since I am a virgin. And this is Luke 1.35, the angel responds, uh, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the holy one to be born will be called the Son of God. And the phrasing is really interesting here because in the Greek, it really just says the Holy Spirit will, will be present to you. And then you're going to get pregnant. That doesn't necessarily answer a lot of questions, I would think, right? It, it does say, okay, well, this is how it's going to happen, but for Mary, there's still this process, right? She responds, okay. But we see God initiating new life with Mary and with Jesus in this passage. It's interesting to me that later on um, in, uh, in chapter three, Jesus is talking with this uh, gentleman named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is part of a group called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, we're gonna discover, um, they have a long history, but it's, at some point they're gonna get in this spot with Jesus where they're gonna be trying to kill him. Um, And so they're they're bent against Jesus. This person, Nicodemus, though, as part of this group, if you track his story through the Gospels, it's really interesting to see how he walks a different path, uh, seemingly, than the the whole Pharisaical group. Uh, But he comes to Jesus at night, probably because he's he's scared of being found out, that he's talking with Jesus, and he's asking him these questions, and Jesus uh, basically says, look, you need to be born again, and Nicodemus says, well, How's that going to happen? Am I going to climb back into my mother's womb to be born? Um, And Jesus responds this way. "Uh, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And so Jesus is very aware that there's something that the Spirit does and that is so powerful that it is actually called a birth. So the Spirit becomes very present and active in every moment of new life that we experience. From a new person entering the world, a new job, a new friend, a new day, all the way down to a new breath, our next heartbeat all of that the Spirit is orchestrating and moving in and especially when that new life centers around a person becoming a follower of Jesus taking those steps and making those moves that begin a life of learning and growing as they attend to the Spirit participating in God's work living that out in the day-to-day life and some refer to this as salvation That person becomes saved when they do this is often how it's said. But whatever we call it, the Spirit is the critical heartbeat in that. That's how the Spirit operated in Jesus' life. So that's something I think we can move with. The next one is, uh, as you can see up there, it's called the Holy Spirit anoints. And if we look um, in Matthew 3, 13, verses 4 through 1, it's Jesus' baptism. And it says this. Uh, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I loved, with him I am well pleased. And then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I always, that last line of that verse is always so interesting to me because I, I find that I'm never thinking, oh, Jesus must be hungry. But then I read it and I'm like, oh, Jesus must be hungry. Um, Yeah, just interesting, not anyways, my little pivot there. Uh, but there are two things in this section that I want to highlight. One is that Jesus is anointed with God's presence and power in a way that's gonna enable him to carry out his ministry and live as a servant and savior on behalf of humanity. It's it's super interesting to me that right after the temptations that Jesus experiences, which are all about power, which are all about him sort of flexing and, and being the Son of God, and I'm gonna take care of this and do that and I'm gonna rule over the earth and all these things. Those are temptations that are pushed to him. Jesus is operating out of a posture of fasting, like a a posture of, of physical weakness, right, in this space and, and, and just came out of being baptized with as a human being, like for a baptism he didn't need. It was a baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus didn't need that, but he claims such solidarity. He stands with those who can't stand on their own and uses that to lean into this moment where he's tempted. Such an amazing story. And all of it, the Spirit is upon him. The Spirit leads Jesus. We read in Luke 4, um, 18 through 21. This is Jesus uh, shortly after his baptism, and he's preaching in the synagogues, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me uh, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls up the scroll, gives it back to the attendants and sits down and it says the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were like fastened on him. And then he says today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus himself is aware of the Spirit's anointing on him to carry out this ministry. The second thing to highlight here is that Jesus followed the Spirit. We read that he's immediately led away into the wilderness to be tempted. And the wilderness in the Bible, if you remember, is a place where someone, uh, all the things that that person leans on for support, whether it's friends or family or jobs or, or whatever roles they might have in culture, those are all either taken away or their ability to be a support is taken away. And so Jesus is led into this kind of space, not for, you know, a celebration or some downtime or anything like that, but to be tempted And the main question that runs through that temptation narrative again is, what kind of Messiah is Jesus going to be? He's just been anointed as the Messiah. What kind of Messiah is he going to be? Thomas Smale in his book, The Giving Gift, says this. The outcome is crystal clear to that question. Jesus is not Messiah to turn stones into bread to feed his own hunger. He's not Messiah to enter into compromising covenants with the forces of evil in order to gain universal power. He's not Messiah in order to perform sensational signs and wonders that will establish his special status with God in his own eyes and the eyes of others. So instead, Jesus is the Messiah who rejects, All those false ways and leaves them behind in the wilderness, declaring that his way of Messiah, that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, is the way of liberating service to others in obedience to his Father. And although none of us is the Messiah, we follow the Messiah. And in all the ways that he lived, moved, and had his being, we're invited to participate in. And so we, too, are to lead lives that that work and participate in God's actions of liberation and liberating others, knowing that the Holy Spirit is the anointing power of that liberation. Because one of the things that's interesting is Jesus, in declaring his own sort of, uh, you know, uh, so Jesus in, in, the bab, uh, in, the ba, right, in the temptation right after the baptism, right, he's tempted with these things of power, and he says, no, I don't want that power, I don't want this power. And, it, and it's, it, it's got this movement of, because I'm here for others, I'm not here for myself. But the interesting thing is in that moment of declaring that, that, that liberation to like, move for others, Jesus does own a liberation of his own. And so when we move in ways where we're caring for others and we're participating in God's work of, of, of bringing liberation to other people, we may find that our own liberation is there also. I think of uh, Hebrews 12, one, where it says, uh, it talks about being surrounded by this cloud of witnesses and let's, let's throw off the things that so easily entangle us, the sin that so easily wraps us up and trips us up. There's something in this that I see Jesus as, as Satan is trying to tempt him. It's almost like these vines wrapping around him. No, no, you can be real powerful. You can have all this stuff. No, surely if you're the son of God, this, these things should happen. And just trying to, to tangle him up and hold him down. And Jesus, in, 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 in living out of that solidarity, solidarity of his baptism, is able to claim, no, this is, I'm here to bring liberation. I'm here to preach the good news. I'm here to, to, to proclaim the, the, the jubilee year of the Lord for, for all people to be free from oppression. And in that, there's also his own freedom from those things that Satan was trying to use to tie him. And I, I wonder if that's the same for us. In, in serving other people, do we find that some of those things that the enemy would use to tie us down aren't removed, granting us liberation also? The last thing I want to look at is that Jesus experienced uh, transformation by the Holy Spirit. Um, and this is specifically in Jesus, Jesus' resurrection, being raised from the dead. It's a transfiguration of his humanity, um, uh, I'm going to just bump ahead to Romans 4, Romans 1.4. And this is Paul, and he says, And uh, speaking of Jesus, who through the Spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. The thing I want to highlight here is that phrase, Son of God, um, in other Gospels and in other parts of the New Testament, it's used in some different ways. Uh, lots of times John will use it to speak like of this eternal Son of God. Right? In Luke's nativity, there's this sort of spirit-generated son, and, and we even looked at that uh, earlier, that there's this, uh, there's this birthing, right? this spirit-generated idea, um, or the, the, the sort of messianic anointing that we talked about. But here, what this specifically means is the son who is exalted to the exercise of God's power in a transfigured and transformed humanity, which is all sitting in the context of this fresh, giving and receiving of the Holy Spirit and so in Jesus we see birth we see anointing and we see transformation all happening through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and I believe wholeheartedly that these are the same for us that we cannot follow Jesus without being reborn that each of us is anointed by the spirit of of, of our own liberation lived out in our participation in God's work of liberating all people and that we are being transformed daily by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we learn to attend to, listen to, and engage with the Spirit as we follow Jesus. Now, again, all of that sounds great. But at the same time, there's still this question like, well, so but how do we do that? What does that look like? This is all, like we're talking about embodying this, we're talking about living this out. So I have, I have a story that I hope is going gonna, is gonna to set this in a direction that does that. Uh, I had my come-to-Jesus moment about 34 years ago, and ever since then, I have been listening, learning, learning to listen, um, and and have had all these big experiences specifically around uh, this idea of listening. Uh, And it doesn't always show, but sometimes it does. Um, and, uh, just this last week, some of you know, my oldest daughter, Gianna, um, she was this summer participated in LTT, which is the lifeguard training team. And so she spent, uh, eight weeks. There's her team up there. Um, yeah, it spent eight weeks, Monday through Thursday from one to five out doing all kinds of stuff, lifeguard stuff. And it's really intense, um. and and super fun too but so this last Tuesday was the last day of it and they ended it with what they call the lifeguard games which um, they're really intense and super competitive and they have teams from all over the Puget Sound from different beaches they come together and they compete in these sort of like Olympic games and like one of them for example is called uh, beach flag and so they take pieces of hose about that long and they stick them in the sand and so they have six people competing and five hunks of hose. The six people competing are 25 yards away, lying face down, heels together, hands touching right beneath their chin. And then someone yells go. They jump up, and it's like this violent race of musical chairs down. And there's, they're one short, and so people are scrambling and all this stuff. Uh, it, it's intense, and they're doing a lot. They're paddleboarding out several hundred yards, back, these relays, all this stuff. Um, and I was super proud that, that Gianna was participating in this, especially the LTT team, because they, everyone else there has either had their lifeguard certification for at least one season or sometimes more. There's a, a team that they just call themselves the vintage team, and they're like this kind of semi-retired, uh, but semi-retired in lifeguarding is like 23 uh, and so, like, they're super athletic and, and, and all this stuff. And I just was watching, you know, Gianna do all this stuff. And, you know, and they've had their certification for one day, right? One day they've had it. And they're competing with sort of the, the superstars in, in the area. And um, the, their, their kind of instructor got them together and was like, okay, we need a captain. And no one was stepping up. And so Gianna was like, I'll be the captain. And so within a couple minutes, she's overstanding with... Five or six, like, 18 to 24-year-old young men and my 15-year-old daughter, and I was like, I'm uncomfortable with this. Like, this, I, I want to be in that conversation, but that's not my business, so I didn't. Um, but, you know, and so and all this stuff happening. She comp- there's five events. She competed in all five because her team was short on some people. No one else in the whole competition competed in all five. It was just this great day there's this one event called scenarios and in the scenarios event uh, anyone familiar with Star Trek like the original series the the Kobayashi Maru right so so the training for all people who want to be a captain is one of the things you go through is the Kobayashi Maru which is this simulated uh, exercise but it's been programmed to be an unwinnable situation so there's no way to win except for Captain Kirk went and reprogrammed it and so it was winnable, and so that was kind of him saying, I beat the unwinnable situation, and we can debate that all day long. But this scenarios thing was basically the Kobayashi Maru of lifeguarding. They had four lifeguards set up in this area, and they had four situations that were happening, all needing attention, all, some of them needing multiple people. And so they had this challenge of trying to navigate all this, and there were people at each one of the stations who were kind of overseeing and taking notes. They'd all report back, and they'd tally up the score right and it was really hard it was really hard and they weren't allowed to see it so they all had to wait in this room while the other team went and then the next team would go and so none of them knew what was going on and the parents of the LTT group we were standing there we all looked at each other we're like we can't say anything because we really wanted to be like run over there like look at the other side of the dock there's a guy over but we couldn't do any of that and so we're all just sitting there and we're watching this now the LTT team they did wonderful they did really well. They did a lot of things. They did great. They had some things that they missed. But every team had some things that they missed. But as they were gathering together afterwards with the, the person who was kind of reading off their scores to them and kind of describing to them what they were doing, I saw Gianna just bend over, head between her knees, like hands like this. She was just really upset. And she, she stood up and she, you know, and their coach was trying to talk to him and said, hey, you know, this, this is not the same kind of scenario as we practice. And she was like, but we didn't do well enough. We didn't do it the right way. And I could hear this, and I wanted to run over and like, be like, no, no, it's okay. You did awesome today, right? And there's nothing, your performance doesn't matter at all. I, I love you wholeheartedly regardless of that. Now, also in this process, for me, and, and this came up a few days later as we were talking about it. As Gianna is moving into some kind of leadership positions, like she was the captain of this, she's doing some leadership stuff with dance and, and, and these other things, I, I told her, I said, I've done some leadership training. I, I, I've, I've been involved with it for a while. And if you have questions, I could, I could help you with that. Or what would you think that if I saw something, I could ask you, hey, in terms of your leadership stuff, I kind of noticed something. Do you want to talk about that? And she could have the, she could say yes or no. She said, that sounds awesome. I said, good. And then she said, did you notice something? And I said, yeah, yeah, I did. And I just brought up the, you know, when you're, when you're talking about your team, to, to throw out things like, we just didn't do it. The rest of your team can feel that in a way that maybe you're not intending to communicate. And how do you move in a way that can bring your team up? Or how do you move in a way that can still identify, oh, we didn't do what we wanted to, but but boy, we were here and we were present and all this stuff. Okay, and so what I didn't tell you is um, as I was wanting to walk up and give my daughter a big hug and all this stuff, her... The, the members of her team were already there that participated in the, that event. And then the rest of them had kind of started gathering around too. And this one uh, team member, all of a sudden, like there were two over there, who did like this. And they all just surrounded Gianna and they gave each other this huge group hug. And Gianna was like, yeah, I couldn't tell whose hair this was or whose shoulder this was. Um, and in and, and all of that, right? They, they all recovered, and, and, and they were happy and, and, and having this really great moment. And I realized, so as John and I were talking about this, she said, so yeah, maybe I should have done this differently. And I said, no, no, no. I think that moment was exactly what it needed to be. Because you hear from me all the time, I love you, what you do. It, sure, it's important, but it's not going it, to, you know, it's not going to change that I love you and this and that. But in that moment, to have her team come and say it was very different. To have her team gather around each other and say, you know, it doesn't matter how we perform. We're here for each other. We absolutely love each other. We absolutely care for each other. And Because maybe Gianna was feeling a little bit like, oh, did I let this team down? Here I am. I tried to be the captain and I didn't, but they're all saying, that doesn't matter. We all love and care for each other. And so there are lots of spirit kind of movements in that. For me personally, it was one of, I had to step back. I had to not sort of make my imprint on this situation. I had to listen, I had to watch, and I had to learn, so that later on, because I didn't realize it in that moment, I realized, oh, the team's together, that's awesome, but later on as I thought about it and was talking with Gianna, I said, yeah, you know what, wait a minute, Gianna, I, I actually think the Spirit was doing something different there. Doesn't that seem like it was really about your team coming together and saying how much you care for each other? And she was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that was God. That was the Holy Spirit doing that. Right, so how we listen and how we follow Jesus really depends on the moment, and it takes practice, and it takes time, but we have to keep doing it. And so I have a challenge for us over this week that I want you to do that I hope is going to facilitate some kind of movement in this direction. Uh, worship team, if you could come up. That'd be great. Uh, prayer team um, is going to be available for you. Uh, in just a moment, I'm going to pray, and then um, we're going to close with uh, so a little reflection time and a song and a benediction. But the prayer team will be available uh, during that um, if, if you need prayer for anything. So please, please uh, utilize that. It's there for you. Um, but the, the challenge for you, in, in, instead of doing kind of questions to ponder, the challenge is can you um, think of one person Um, that you can be a blessing to in some way, like that you can go and speak some positive truth to, you can just go spend some time with. Um, Could be someone who's having a rough time or someone who's encouraged or blessed you, but the, the idea is, whatever the case is, someone you can affirm and build up and maybe bring a little bit of liberation to and then go and do that. And the reason that I want us to do that is that it causes us to listen, to an internal voice about thinking, of who's a person that I know, who that I can do this with? That's the Spirit moving, that internal voice that brings those things to mind. I wholeheartedly believe that's the Holy Spirit. Then we can go and enact that, empowered by the Spirit, whether it's a phone call, however it may work itself out, right? You're the person in your context, the Spirit's working with you, but then go and do it. And then even find if in that, that idea of in going and doing this and caring for someone else, oh, I kind of, maybe there were some things that were tangling me up, I kinda, those kind of loosened up a little bit. Like I feel a little bit freer. I feel a little bit different about how I can move through this. Um, So that's the challenge that I want uh, this week sometime. I'm going to be real specific. Next Sunday, I'm going to ask people, right? Uh, I I won't in front of everyone. I'll ask you individually. Not everyone, but so, uh, anyways. But I'm going to talk to you because I want to hear and I want to share with you what I did and how that was working. Um, So um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll have uh, some time to reflect. And that might be time where you use to think of that person, but I also want you to, to sit and just, one of my practices is I'll sit and just let things start to kind of sift, right? And in my mind, it it, it usually looks like Uh, water like starting to pour off something something's moving up and water's kind of pouring off and at first I can I can just see the water kind of moving and then I can see something emerge out and lots of times that's the direction that God will have me go in and so whatever your process is just give a minute to allow something like that to happen just sit quietly and the worship team's going to play and just allow the spirit to move and speak and then and then trust that in you Um, that that's something that God is doing. So let me pray, um, and and then all those things are available to you. Dear God, I give you great thanks again for this day. Holy Spirit, I give you thanks for your presence with us. That even though you are mysterious, and even though we don't totally understand, I believe wholeheartedly that you're not elusive. You're not something that's going to sort of turn and laugh at us as we, as we try to find and scramble for something, but you are present within us, speaking, guiding, moving. Lord, I pray for those of us who feel like we're scrambling to find you. Spirit, you'd help us to settle, to quiet our movements, to quiet our hearts, and know you in that space. And for those of us who, who, we're not moving at all, we're not trying to engage, we're not for whatever reason, I pray you would stir in us, Lord, something that sort of emerges from the water that we can see and move upon. Um, yeah, Lord, you're so good to us, and I thank you for your presence with us. All of this in Jesus' name, amen.